Hello and welcome to Seeing Red, a true crime podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Bethan. Hi, everybody. Um, First of all, apologies for my absence last week. I was doing a million and one family things to celebrate the little baby's first birthday. And it just reminds me around this time of year, Mark, that that was the second time you had to go solo for me. So thank you. But what a year it's been. Yeah, it has been. um, Yeah, it's like it's kind of flown by so quickly. And for you, uh, yeah, second addition to your family. So it's weird that that was a year ago, isn't it? And I was really gutted to miss last week's episode because that was a case I was really excited for you to cover. But I have listened. I've only listened to half so far, but I have listened. So it was a really good job on like a very, very tough case, Mark. So you could only be bothered with half the episode. I only had time for half the episode. I will be listening to the other half soon. <laughs> yeah, I um, I think I might have said in the episode, but I really, really wanted to cover it with you. Um it's one that we we could have had a lot of discussion around but equally because we just come past the five-year anniversary I wanted to kind of it was perfect timing actually yeah yeah. I just wanted to sort of pay my respects by um revisiting it and not forgetting it really Uh, but I think it's something we can revisit again together isn't it I hope so yeah now a bit of a silly comment to make I love how you pronounce Ariana Grande's name. Oh, don't fucking honestly. The thing is, I know how to pronounce her name. Ariana Grande? Would you say Ariana? But I don't know if Ariana Grande. I just, I think I pronounced it differently. You did it like Ariana, Ariana. It was wonderful. Yeah, honestly, I pronounced it it differently every time I said it. Grande, Grande. It's usually me that does that, so. I know, I completely, I was really like um, conscious of it. And I was like, why the fuck can't I say her fucking name? So, um, but anyway, she's a legend to be She fair. is. She's such an amazing singer. So before we begin this week, we would like to name check our newest patron supporters. So we have... We have Paula G and Jessica Stewart. Thank you so much to both of you uh, for signing up in the last few days. And we are now just weeks away from CrimeCon. The world's number one true crime event is coming back to London on Saturday the 11th and Sunday the 12th of June 2022. And myself and Mark will be there on Saturday the 11th. I'm so excited. Oh, me too. When this episode comes out, we'll be 10 days away from it. Oh my gosh. uh, Yeah, can't wait to get there. So um, why don't you get inside the mind of serial killers and psychopaths? You can learn from leading criminologists, hear from the families and survivors, meet your favourite true crime podcasters like us. (laughs) Yep. Immerse yourself in forensic evidence and delve deeper into unsolved crimes. CrimeCon is the ultimate true crime weekend, partnered by CBS Reality UK, expert-led true crime. If you want to join us and you haven't bought your ticket yet, you can use the code RED for a discounted ticket price and a Seeing Red merchandise goodie bag. There will be so much to see and do in this packed weekend. If you love podcasts, then there'll be a podcast row, more than 30 of your favourite podcasters, including us, podcast live recording studio with live audience, and we will be doing one of those sessions, and podcast hosts panel, uh, where there'll be like a Q&A discussion. You can hear from the victims and their families, get insight from the police force, expert criminologists, expert profilers, there'll be guest appearances, authors, law enforcement officers, all of that at CrimeCon UK. With over 50 hours of content, why not come along, meet fellow true crime enthusiasts and just check out crimecon.co.uk or follow the CrimeCon UK social channels for up-to-date information. 
If you're a Patreon supporter, you may have listened to May's bonus Patreon episode, in which I talked about the disappearance of 37-year-old Annette Misener on a cruise ship. In that episode, myself and Mark gave our theories on what we thought might have happened to Annette, and I mentioned my previous episode about Rebecca Corriam. Ever since I researched cruises for that episode, I just haven't been able to get the idea out of my head. There are so many cases of people going missing from cruise ships, and many of these include the families believing that their loved one was the victim of foul play. Why do you think we get so caught up in these because they are fascinating aren't they is something that you kind of go down this rabbit hole and you can't leave it I think it's that classic locked room mystery that has intrigued human nature for so long I know it's not technically a locked room because there is also the option of overboard and stuff like that but it's quite a traditional mystery isn't it yeah, I think you're right. I, I've never really thought of it like that. But yes, you've got the ocean that, that people can and do fall into, whether it's an accident, suicide, or they're pushed into it. But it is still, you're right, I think it is almost like a bit of a locked room mystery, that kind of traditional Agatha Christie type mm-hmm. mystery. I think so. And and we both love Agatha Christie. We do. And I think more times, more often than not, there's very little reported on a case of this nature mostly because the official reports are adamant there was nothing more than a tragic accident. Perhaps the person's family or their friends keep trying to look for more answers, but the majority of people are willing to accept that verdict, so it doesn't make the headlines as much. With today's case, however, it feels as if it's not just the loved ones who keep searching for answers, and indeed this missing person. It feels like hundreds, if not thousands, of internet sleuths are also kind of hoping to solve the mystery, and it's still being talked about to this day. I've mentioned her name a few times, so this week we are going to go look at her case in detail. So this is the story of the disappearance of Amy Lynn Bradley. I think one of the main things that makes this case particularly unique are the events following her disappearance and the potential sightings that people have reported on. So the theories behind what happened to Amy, if true, are, to me at least, so much worse than just simply a murder on board a cruise ship or a a tragic accident, if the theories behind this are correct, it's much, much bigger than that and it's even more terrifying to me. I think it's going to be really interesting for us to discuss our own theories on on this and what happened to Amy Lynn Bradley. I, I can't wait to get to that part of today's episode. Amy Bradley was born on the 12th of May 1974 in Virginia, USA. She has been described as your typical all-American girl. She was outgoing, she was athletic. She grew up in Virginia and she was living with her parents and her brother and she'd attended a local university which was called Longwood University. Um, She'd actually attended on a basketball scholarship, that's how athletic she was. And at the time of this week's case, she had recently graduated in physical education Um, which did make me chuckle a little bit because obviously that's just PE here. And I think we'd call it something a bit more high tech. But for me, PE just sounds like put a tabard on and climb some gym equipment in a hall. I don't know about you, Mark. Do do a gambol uh, or a little uh, athletics routine to some music at the age of seven. Yeah. Um, Amy was also a strong swimmer and she had trained as a lifeguard and actually worked as a lifeguard for a time before as well. The celebration of Amy graduating seemed like the perfect time for the family to get together and go on a holiday, but Amy was absolutely terrified of the ocean, and so she was initially unenthusiastic about going on this family cruise. 
In spite of her reservations, Amy finally agreed to go on the holiday. And I felt a little bit sad for her here because everybody says she was always terrified of the ocean. Yes, she was a strong swimmer. She trained as a lifeguard, but the ocean was, she was petrified of. And I just think like, why is her family said, let's go on a cruise then? Like surely you could go hiking in some mountains that keep you away from the sea. Yeah, I think and I think there is an important distinction there because a lot of people might be like, what, how can she be scared of the ocean when she's a really strong swimmer and she's a, a lifeguard? But there is a real difference, isn't there? Between oh, God, yeah. Sort of like the ocean is just that vastness of, and it's so deep and it's so unpredictable. So I, I do totally understand it. Um, but the, yeah, I kind of get it. But I, equally, I'm like, you aren't. I know obviously what happens to Amy Bradley could be that she went overboard whether of her own volition or, or, you know, somebody else is doing. So I, I get that it can happen. But realistically, I know it sounds stupid because something did happen here. But realistically, you are pretty safe on a cruise ship. You're not going to go overboard. I think this is probably what her parents would have said to her. Like, look, we know you're scared of the ocean, but you're not, apart from looking out your window, you, you're going to be more in the ship. We're going to be going... You know, they they stop on different points of the cruise and you go on land and stuff. I'm sure they yeah. would have just talked to her. And not in a horrible way talking around. And I'm sure she actually was really excited for it by the end. And yeah, Amy agreed to go on this holiday in spite of her reservations. So on the 21st of March, 1998, Amy boarded the cruise ship with her parents, Iva and Ron, and her brother, Brad, in Puerto Rico. So this Royal Caribbean International cruise ship was called Rhapsody of the Seas and actually that ship still sails today and the route it was due to take at this time was from Puerto Rico to Aruba to Curaçao which is a Dutch Caribbean island under the Kingdom of Netherlands. The trip started off well and Amy soon found herself enjoying the cruise. She became friends with the ship's band Blue Orchid, she would dance and drink in the evenings into the nights She was much happier on the cruise than she thought she would be. And the four were staying in a family cabin. From the current Rhapsody of the Seas website, this looks like a very nice way to cruise. So you have access to a balcony and there's joining doors between separate state rooms. So it's a great way for a family to have their own spaces, but be close together. Because when I was picturing this, these kind of like two grown up kids and mom and dad in a cabin on a cruise ship, I thought they'd all be like sharing a big bed together or something, (laughs) just in a stateroom. So I'm glad that you explained that. And it's not as it looked in my head of, you know, father and daughter topping and tailing. Top and tail. Yeah. Oh, God. Do people still top and tail? Is that a thing? Like, will my children top and tail when they go to like sleepovers? I guess you do. Yeah, I would have thought so. I don't think adults do it so much. I hope not. No. <laughs> let's let's no. just move away from this. This yeah, is going before a bit Before we start weird. talking about worse stuff. Yeah, yeah crikey. So currently, um, Rhapsody of the Seas advertises this option for a family or a group booking by saying, are you looking for the perfect stateroom for you and your crew? When travelling with a group of friends, there are many options to choose from. Each category has options that offer maximum space to spread out. So from spacious interior rooms to ultra-spacious ocean view rooms, our top-of-the-line villa suite with four bedrooms. So there's, it's not they're all in one room or they're all in like a very tiny pokey cabin. Depends on what it was like back in 1998 compared with today, but it sounds like they each had at least their own bedrooms and a middle room that was like a, a lounge area with a balcony. It, it sounds amazing. It looks beautiful. This cruise ship is top of the line. It's ma- This is a yeah. real celebration of her graduation. 
The Bradleys were surely on top of the world, but just three days later, the trip would take a dark turn for the Bradley family when Amy went missing. On the night of the 23rd of March, Amy and Brad decided to stay up late dancing at a Mardi Gras nightclub party on the ship, drinking alcohol with the ship's band Blue Orchid. Their parents had headed back to the family cabin a little bit earlier than their children, who stayed out, as it were, until the early hours of the following morning. Amy had become close with one of the band's members, Alistair Douglas, otherwise known as Yellow, and they were captured by a videographer who was taking footage for a promotional video. They were captured a few times dancing together, and Yellow later confirmed that they had been hanging out and that he had parted ways with Amy at about 1am. Brad returned to the family's cabin at 3.35am, as confirmed by the ship's door lock records, and then Amy soon followed just five minutes later. The two sat and chatted for a while, Brad confirming that he and his sister had sat on the suite's private balcony and talked before he headed off to his room to go to sleep. He said that he'd left Amy out on the balcony, and indeed, when Ron... Amy and Brad's dad woke up at about 5.30am. He got up to have a little check on his children and he saw Amy sleeping on the lounge chair of their cabin's balcony. Wouldn't you have woken her up at this point and said, get into bed, Amy, it's half five in the morning, you can't sleep in a chair on the balcony of a cruise ship? I don't think it's necessarily like a chair though. I think it's like a lounge chair, like a chaise, you know, like a chaise long that you have in the Mm. garden that you pop down up, like a sunbathing chair. Yeah, I do. I don't know if it'd be a problem to sleep on one of those. I, mm, I'm not. I'm not happy about this. I like sleeping out in the fresh air, though. I like sleeping outside. Yeah, but you're a freak. This is true. Maybe Ron wasn't 100 percent sure on this because he did then check again. He kind of checked on her again about half an hour later, around 6 a.m. But she was gone, and so were her cigarettes and lighter. Now, for Amy to go somewhere without letting her family know was totally out of character. So Ron actually decided to head out and search for her in kind of like the common areas of the cruise ship. And he later said, when I couldn't find her, I didn't really know what to think because it was very much unlike Amy to leave and not tell us where she was going. Ron woke the rest of the family up and told them that Amy was missing at about half six. The family were immediately disturbed by her sudden disappearance because not only had Amy gone without telling anyone, she'd also left without her shoes or her ID, um, which you're not going to do unless you're literally nipping somewhere quickly and you're you're planning to come back. I was going to say that's what it it kind of signals to me that she's just nipping out for a, a minute to grab something from somewhere. Yeah, and cigarettes and lighter oh, I'm just going to nip to the balcony, have a cigarette with someone and come back. I mean, why wouldn't you have a cigarette on your balcony? But for whatever reason, you've gone, you've nipped to go do something. So the family alerted security, but the ship's crew were far less concerned. Ron pleaded with them to call for Amy over the ship's loudspeaker, but they didn't want to disturb the passengers so early in the morning. And finally, they made a call on the tannoy for Amy to make herself known at 7.50am. Amy's mum later told NBC, when we discovered Amy was missing, we begged the ship's personnel to not put the gangway down, to not let anybody leave the ship. And we told them that if Amy had left the room for any more than 15 minutes, she would have left us a note. So Amy had disappeared shortly before the boat was due to dock at Curachao. So the family were also frantically asking for the ship to kind of go back away from the dock a little just to prevent anyone from leaving until the search was completed. But this request wasn't granted. And by the time that a search of the ship began, which was after midday, many of the ship's guests and staff had already left the vessel for the day. And and this is where it gets incredibly messy because... um 
there's so many options now, aren't there, in terms of what could have happened to Amy? Exactly. And if, some, if somebody was responsible for that, then they've got away with it. Yeah. And the Bradley family were told that no announcement would be made, no photographs were going to be posted concerning Amy's disappearance because this would be too disturbing for the other passengers. And we sort of discussed it in uh, in the Patreon bonus episode, didn't we? Um, we sort of discussed, you know, how far do you go? Because there could be, well, there'll be several thousand passengers on a cruise ship. And I suppose, like, you have got to be really mindful that they're on holiday and... What happens when somebody disappears from a ship? Do people really care? Um, is it going to ruin their holiday? Can you inconvenience thousands of people uh, as a result of, of one person going missing? I, I know it's like, it's like a real moral dilemma, isn't it? It really is. It's like that thing where you see the train going towards a crowd of 30 people or the train goes towards your one child and you have to make the decision of do you flick the switch for yeah. like, which way does the train go? It's like one of those moral things, isn't it? Really tough. I also think um, you could really, I know it sounds like stupid, but there's no, there's no, we don't know what's happened at this point. There's no criminal investigation. So there's no kind of like power to keep people on the ship. And what do you do? Just say like, oh, we, we, we've lost someone. We need to find them. So nobody's allowed to dock and get off the boat now. You're all kind of confined to your room uh, for an entire day. I wouldn't be happy with that, to be honest. It's, it is a really tough one, isn't it? Yeah. So the Bradleys left the ship in Curaçao and the FBI boarded the ship, but their investigation was really crap as well. Um, The Bradleys chose to fly to the next stop to subsequently reboard because they were told by the FBI that the search for Amy had only included bathrooms, common areas, and that was that. They ignored any staterooms or employee living quarters. It was literally, and I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that it was like a couple of hours was spent and that was it. Yeah, but again, I'm just, I kind of understand it because what, we, what, what, like a ship, a cruise ship is a bit like a city, a floating city or town, I suppose. And what would you do? If somebody went missing in a, in a small town in England, would you get the police in and search everybody's house in that town and every room in everybody's house? No, not going to happen, is it? Oh, interesting. Cause I hadn't thought of it like that. And I'm, I know it sounds harsh, but. Yeah, I just, I don't know, I, I I kind of understand. I know most people are really against the FBI's initial search and the cruise ship's handling of all of this, but I do see the other side of the coin with it, I have to be honest. That's good, because I think we need to be really fair with this. They've done what they had to, so that was that. And the Coast Guard then conducted a four-day search in the surrounding waters and along the cruise line, so investigating the theory that Amy could have fallen overboard and drowned, but these searches showed up no sign of her. The search officially ended on the 29th of March 1998, noting Amy's training as a lifeguard and the fact that she was a strong swimmer. An official did say that there was no evidence that she had fallen or jumped the railing, And Amy Bradley was officially declared dead in March 2010, but her case remains open because the FBI continues to appeal for anybody with information to come forward. Now, as I mentioned earlier, whilst this case isn't sadly particularly unique and we hear of people going missing from cruise ships too often for comfort, it is the theory of what happened to Amy that makes it stand out. Amy's family are convinced that she was taken against her will from the ship. And the main theory shared about what happened to her is that she was the victim of sex slave trafficking. 
As often happens after a mysterious disappearance, the family later spoke of some strange instances that had occurred on the cruise. Things that had nothing happened to Amy, they probably would have forgotten about soon after returning home, but they have a more sinister feel when you know that Amy has never been found. One such event was when photos were taken on the cruise. So you sometimes find this on holidays. I know when we were in Jamaica, it happened quite a lot. They're kind of taking photos all day long and then they're put in a gallery for you to go and potentially purchase and on this ship at this time in 1998 they were printed out and put in this gallery and you could go up and take the physical copies of the photos i remember this from holidays in the 90s it's so retro Mm -hmm. so retro you had the option when we went to jamaica to either have printed out versions or the you if you bought the digital ones you got Mm. a printout as well which was really fun and a little sleeve and stuff it kind of makes sense because you've got it's obviously it's a professional photographer yeah taking they're the photos. really nice photos aren't yes they? so they're great photos and you possibly would want more of a professional uh, photo for a memento yeah my other half's parents as you go down their stairs they've got framed photos of them dressed to the nines in their finest at the dinners at their cruises and it's really adorable because you see like really really young and then as they're like as they're aging a little bit as well and the fashions have changed slightly but they're still the same you know still them and they've got them up on their wall still they're still really important fucking love a cruise don't they they do (laughs) (laughs) so when the ship staff would put up photos taken of all the dinner participants amy's mum noticed that all the photos of amy were missing and furthermore the photo gallery supervisor clearly remembered that they had been printed out and put on display earlier, which made the family think that somebody had taken them. Mm. Almost immediately on arrival, three of the waiters on the ship had taken an interest in Amy, being overly friendly with her to the point that she told her dad that they gave her the creeps. She even told her dad that she didn't want anything to do with them. And I think the fact that she happily drank and danced and socialised with the band, and especially band member Yellow, for me shows that This wasn't her being shy or not sociable. She genuinely felt uneasy about those waiters. And I'm sure we've all been in situations where we feel uneasy like this. And especially women, I hope you don't think it's out of place for me to say, where our gut warns us that a man or a situation just isn't safe. I, uh, yeah, I can understand it because we, uh, you know, men and women will feel that about certain people. You just, you know, particularly for guys, uh, a bunch of other guys, you mm-hmm. could feel threatened by and you could f- be in fear of, of your safety. So, yeah, I do. I do think that's really powerful, that gut reaction. Absolutely. I think, as I said as well, a bunch of teenagers. We've talked about that a few times, haven't we? Oh, my God. Like, this takes me back to Eden Lake again. <laughs> um, my favourite film, obviously. And I know uh, a few of our listeners, certainly over the years, have been in touch to say they've they've hunted it out and they've listened to it. And I know someone was talking about it recently on Facebook, uh, trying to find a copy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that is a film where basically, yeah, a bunch of feral teenagers just slaughter this innocent couple it's just vile and very watchable um but yeah i think we, we've talked about it so much in terms of groups of teenagers sometimes i think there's nothing worse but then you think about the amy she's got these three waiters who are creeping her out you know they're giving her all this extra attention that she not interested in you'd be all over this i would not be thank you very much you would Making accusations about my <laughs> character. <laughs> I'm sorry, you wouldn't, Beth, and you wouldn't. You'd, you'd probably hey. want man- managerial grade, not waiters. I mean, staff. yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I want the not captain. cater waiters. Yeah, <laughs> depends what the waiters look like, doesn't it? True. So 
Amy's family remained absolutely certain that Amy was taken against her will from the boat. Ron later said, we have maintained from the beginning that someone saw Amy and took Amy from that ship in some way. That's several ways, by boat, through cargo, the cargo doors that open and close. And the theory that Amy was taken for sex slavery trafficking is the main one that continues. On the ship, the waiters had also bothered Amy's dad a bit as well. One of the stops was for the cruise to dock in Aruba and one of the waiters had asked Amy's dad about her whereabouts and he'd asked for Amy specifically by name. When asked why he was looking for her, he had told Ron they wanted to take her to Carlos and Charlie's. Now this is a bar, um, but it takes on a more potential more of a meaning when we look at that bar in a true crime sort of way because a woman called Natalie Holloway disappeared from that bar in 2005 so there may not be a link between this disappearance in 1998 and the disappearance of Natalie seven years later but I do think it's a really interesting one you know we often will see when there's been um, a sex trafficking ring or a paedophile ring that there's certain businesses or um, companies or hotels that come up time and time again Maybe they're using it as a front or potentially they that's how they communicate yeah. with each other. I don't know why I'm I'm laughing a bit because you've written in the notes, you've put pedo rings. And I don't know why that's made <laughs> me laugh, but um, just how you're using shorthand for something I like that. I didn't know but, how to write the word pedophile. I probably probably didn't know how to spell it or I just... All yeah, that was missing was the file. No, that was fine. It just um, made me laugh. It just stood out for me. Yeah, I do, I do think you are absolutely 100% right. There are so many seemingly legitimate businesses that are just a facade for something really sinister. And that that's happening in a high street near you that's happening all all the time so I do get it I just think with this one you know you could look at any kind of bar over a seven-year period and there would be something weird that would have gone off there that is probably unexplained oh okay Um, well that's me told then never mind someone could have been raped in the (laughs) toilet today but you know what I mean yeah you know there could could have been anything there could have been a robbery there could have been a you know two members of staff that took their own lives at separate times for weird reasons and is that related or not so I just think I'm just quite skeptical with with this whole case really and I I hope it doesn't come across that I'm not sympathetic to Amy's family or to what might have happened to her but I think it's right to challenge because that's the whole point is Nobody knows for sure. So you need to bring up the challenges to then. Yeah, because I think so many people and I know you'll talk about the sex slavery theory in more detail and it's a credible theory, but it's just the one so many people jump to. And I just don't know for me, I'm like, "Mm," but let's delve deeper into it. I think for me, if Natalie Holloway and there were potentially five or six other women around the same area might make more sense for me and also if Natalie and Amy looked at all similar aside yeah. from both being white young women their hair colors their style everything was very different so yeah if they looked more similar or they had some more other sorts of links Natalie wasn't mm. on a cruise ship things like that but it was the fact that they'd referenced this bar and then years later something happened the family took that to be potentially something potentially yeah And there have been a number of possible sightings of Amy and events which support this sex slavery theory in a bit more detail. So this is where you then have to think, well, are these credible witnesses or not, I suppose? So interestingly, a few people have added to the timeline and their information kind of challenges the initial reports. So kind of going back a little bit here, but two of the cruise's passengers stated that they saw Amy on one of the elevators with yellow a little bit after 6am. So more than five hours later than Yellow said he last saw Amy and at the crucial time when she went missing. 
According to one witness, Yellow and Amy had walked past her and up the stairs to the floor above, and then within 10 minutes, Yellow had returned alone. That is damning, isn't it? It's interesting, isn't it? And Amy's brother, Brad, had a strange interaction with Yellow. So obviously they they knew each other from the night before, but when Amy's name had been paged over the tannoy, nobody except the family and a certain few people from the ship's security knew that she was missing. But about 9am, Yellow told Brad that he was sorry about what happened to his sister. How did he know what had happened? How did he know something had happened? And what was he sorry for? Well, I mean, it could just be I've heard that she's disappeared or gone missing because although Yellow is part of the band, he's still kind of like staff. So he's going to be friends with other members of the ship's crew, the wait staff, etc. And maybe that kind of news just spreads pretty quickly. Like, oh, we've got a passenger that's gone missing. It's Amy Bradley. And he's thought like, but shit. Would you not so say ma- like, have you found her yet? Or Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Yeah. Like, sorry about what happened feels very final. But what if, say, for example, Yellow had killed Amy and thrown her off the ship? Is he really going to apologise to Brad, her, my her brother, and say... This mm-hmm. is not that he threw off the ship, though. My opinion is, like, he... They knew that the waiters that were trying to get her knew that he was friendly, and they said, can you just bring her up to us? Mm. And then he's like, sorry about what happened. I didn't... I didn't it's a weird one, isn't it? Now, I do think it's important to note here that the FBI have cleared Yellow... I'm pretty sure he passed a polygraph test, but we all know definitely innocent then. Yeah. yeah, but I'm not saying he definitely had anything to do with this. But I do think it's an interesting thing. Why say that the last time you saw her was 1 a.m. If you then popped and hung out with her for a short time at 6 a.m. And it all fits in, doesn't it? It fits in with Amy leaving her shoes in the cabin. And she's kind of popped out with her cigarettes to go and meet Yellow, perhaps for a few minutes, have a cigarette with him, uh, probably uh, on the deck somewhere. Uh, it does all fit. And then they've been spotted as well by two members of the pass- like the ship's passengers. It does fit. So Amy's family set up a hotline and a website once they got back home for tips about her location and there were potential sightings. So a cab driver from Curachao said that someone he believed was Amy had come up to him asking where she could find a telephone, but nothing came of this. This was quite recently after she'd gone missing. And a Canadian tourist said that he'd seen Amy with two other men on a beach in Curachao in August 1998. He mentioned that when she was about to say something, one of the men gestured her away. And he later recognised her from a photo on a segment of America's Most Wanted. The woman's tattoos were reportedly identical to Amy Bradley's. And the man said he was about two feet away from her. He was sure it was her with complete certainty. Two tourists saw a woman resembling Amy with the same distinctive tattoo. So she had a Tasmanian devil spinning a basketball on her shoulder and a gecko on her navel. So they're not particularly common. Um, On a beach in August 1998 as well. So around the same sort of time as this Canadian tourist. Um, So quite interestingly that they've spotted these tattoos and they recognised her. It's a difficult one because tattoos, I think, especially like that, they're quite unusual. So would you really get that wrong? I think a combination of those tattoos is unusual. Those tattoos in themselves aren't necessarily that... Well, the, yeah, they're not, like, ridiculously unique. No, but, they're not crazy, but... But, a, but the two of them together, it would be very unusual. So that mm-hmm. is very interesting because it does sound like that could absolutely have been her. 
1999, a US Navy officer stated that he had seen Amy in a brothel in Curaçao. She had told him her name and even asked him for help. And he said that she had begged him for help because she was being held against her will and not allowed to leave. The officer didn't report this back then because of fear of repercussions. You know, he's in the Navy and he's gone to a brothel. But he contacted the family after his retirement because he saw her photo and and put two and two together of his, uh, you know, coming across this woman in 1999. Also in 1999, an awful event happened to the Bradley family. So they fell victim to a really horrific scam. Late that year, an individual named Frank Jones contacted the Bradleys and claimed that Colombian gangsters were holding Amy on the island of Curaçao and Jones claimed to be a former member of American Special Forces and offered to help set Amy free. To ensure that the family cooperated, Jones claimed he had an eyewitness to Amy's location, a cook who he who had accurately described Amy's tattoos and even said about a lullaby that she'd heard Amy sing, which she was taught by her mum. So really sounded very, very true. And two other former Navy SEALs were sent to Curaçao to specifically determine Amy's location. When Jones demanded more money to underwrite the actual armed res- rescue, the Bradleys asked for concrete proof that their daughter was under Jones's team surveillance and he responded with a, ta- a photograph of a similarly tattooed woman who resembled Amy and I'm guessing the photo was reasonably blurry and that sort of thing. So the Bradleys believed it was Amy and paid him the rest of the money. So in total they paid him $210,000. The Bradleys were then instructed to fly to Florida to wait for a call from Jones as soon as Amy was recovered. They waited in the hotel for a week before they got a call from one of Jones's associates who had also been duped to tell them that the whole thing was an absolute scam. The cook, the photos, the Colombians, the house that was under surveillance, they were all a fraud. Jones, who had never been in the Special Forces, eventually pled guilty to mail fraud and got a five-year sentence and an order to make restitution. I just couldn't get over that, like taking advantage of this family like that. Yeah, it's not. It's not even the money. It's I. I can just picture the family holed up in that hotel room in Florida for an entire week, thinking this could be bollocks. But you even even if you are starting to have doubts at that point, they might not have been excitedly awaiting being reu- reunited with Amy. But you know, they they must have just had that real hope that this is it. We're gonna yeah, exactly. see her and. Uh, I just, it's beyond cruel. In 2005, a witness reported seeing Amy in a department store restroom in Barbados being accompanied by three men. She alleged that the, after the men left, the woman pleaded with her that her name was Amy and she was from Virginia. This witness calls, called the authorities and they created composite sketches of the three men and the woman based on her account. And basically she was in the in the sort of toilets and the woman had said all this and then the men kind of like hurried her back out again and she was so freaked out by this that she did call the police and it was also in 2005 that the Bradley family received an anonymous tip through an email which contained images of a woman suspected to be Amy so the woman in these images bore a striking resemblance to Amy and she was dressed in a revealing outfit she was posing on a bed and she looked distressed this tip and the images cemented the idea that she might have been forced into prostitution but the FBI officials didn't manage to follow up any leads on the pictures and there was a $25,000 reward which remains live to this day for any information on Amy that they kind of introduced at this point. Mm. So internet sleuths have determined that the images had been promoted on a now defunct website advertising adult holidays in the Caribbean. It identified the woman as Jazz and included two pictures of a woman with long black hair. The website advertised all-inclusive erotic vacations, which cost $2,750. 
and they've offered free access to the sex workers included in the package. That is appalling. Isn't that disgusting? Yeah. The Sun Online found emails listed on the cached version of the websites that they now return bounce backs and the domain can't be found. But it's kind of like anything that goes on the internet is is still, there's traces of what was there. The Bradley family revealed in an episode of the TV show Vanished that an independent forensic expert had told them that the picture was a perfect match for Amy. And Amy's mum said, when I first looked at the picture, it wasn't the Amy I know. The picture looks like a harsh and tormented Amy. So Amy was eventually declared dead. But as I mentioned before, the FBI are still keeping her case open. And I personally do believe that she was taken and sold into sex slavery and i i do kind of believe that that theory um yeah it just boggles my mind that the fbi haven't been able to kind of trace more like potentially whether that brothel is still up- operational now and i didn't like not now but in 2005 when they got these pictures could they not have then i don't know it's so hard to know isn't it with illegal operations obviously they're not easily found because they're illegal but yeah, I do believe that she was kidnapped from this ship in some way, shape or form, removed from the ship um, and that her kidnappers were very lucky actually that the ship's captain didn't stop them from docking and actually the swell of, of people coming off and all the staff and potentially she was hidden away inside of something and they carried her off as staff members. You're allowed to be wheeling trolleys or whatever. I, I genuinely do think that that's what happened to her. What do you think? Because you're a little bit less convinced, aren't you, I feel? Yeah, I, I, I think I almost don't want to think that that's what happened because I know you sort of mentioned it earlier. Some of the, these theories, such as this one, are actually worse than um, the yeah. other possibility that she went overboard. Because I, Falling I, overboard I think, is horrific, but at least yeah, it's, it's not happened a, a, and... Yeah, I mean, what, you know, 24 years on now and she's potentially, yeah, was sold into sex slavery in and kind of moved around the Caribbean on these islands and probably drugged or, you know, forced into drug addiction, which is something that they captors do um, as a form of control. And I, I just think, yeah, if she is still alive or was alive for a number of years and, and working as a, a sex slave, I just think that is actually worse. That is a living hell. She would have been better off dead. Um, so I think I want to believe that she went overboard. I think it would be interesting to know what her mental state was um, because you can't rule out suicide. She could have just impaired by alcohol uh, in the early hours of that morning. She could have just thought, I need to end my life. I made an irrational decision and a split second decision. Um, no point taking shoes because she knows she's going to push herself overboard. It's such a hard one, isn't it? I've just sent you over the photograph of her and then also this woman, Jazz, because I I think like with the with the idea of potentially suicide, and we speak about this all the time. You, you don't know someone's full mental state, but she just graduated. They were celebrating that graduation. She'd been drinking and dancing with her brother. And he's obviously had enough of a decent conversation to think she's absolutely fine to leave her there at 4am and go to bed or just gone 4am. And like, I it's un- I, I know it's that unlikely. you never know what someone's thinking, no. but there is the potential. There's the potential that she was a bit drunk and decided to recreate the same scene from Titanic and stand up on her balcony and spread her arms out and fat. Like, you just don't know, but... No. I think if I had to... It feels 
unlikely that you'd have your cigarettes and your lighter with you. And people saw her then walking off with yellow inside the cruise ship. Yeah, yeah. I think if I had to, yeah, I mean, I, I would say it's probably more likely that she either was forced into uh, the sex industry or that she was thrown overboard. And again, it goes back to what we talked about in the May Patreon bonus episode. Um, It could have been an attempted rape or sexual assault, um, or it could have been a successful rape or sexual assault, and then she was thrown overboard following that. And it would have been, it absolutely wouldn't have been a fellow passenger. It would have been a member of crew or staff. So I can see either is is likely. I just wanted to mention a brilliant book that um, one of our mm-hmm. listeners has written and um, got in touch about. And I, I, I talk, I've just bought it. I talked. I started reading it. I talked about it on um, Instagram. So it's called uh, Sex Trafficking, What It Is and How You Can End It. It's by Christopher Armitage. And uh, he's like an expert in this field. And it's it's a, a short book, but it's so insightful. And if anybody is looking to really understand sex trafficking, then I, I really can't recommend this enough. You can get it. Oh, can you send me a link? And I'm. I'll send you a link. That yeah, that. yeah, I'll send you a link. It's um, I got it off Amazon, but I'm sure it's available in other bookstores as well. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to talk about that because it's so um relevant with this case. And yeah, I think you know I need to continue and finish that book because I do need to understand more about sex trafficking and how um, how it happens and how common it is because yeah I just I, it's more that I, I'm just in denial with Amy Bradley I don't want to think that it's happened but it does happen and it absolutely could have happened in her case well there we go I haven't even got like a nice happy way to finish the episode or a bit of a positive note or anything with this one it's just very very horrible and very sad and I but I couldn't not not talk about her I couldn't leave her because I keep mentioning her and, and so she's clearly there in the back of my mind. So I just felt like, right, now's the right time. Let's let's discuss what happened to her. So there we go. Thank you guys for listening. Maybe you needed this to kind of exercise those demons yeah. and, and lay it all is of cathartic, this to rest. It's isn't it? When yeah, we do these sorts so. of things, talking about things that potentially terrify us or cases that have stuck with us. You can kind of let it all out and have a conversation. It helps. Yeah, and any excuse for me to talk about Eden Lake, so... Oh my there god, go. honestly, we need to count up how many times you've mentioned or like, how many times you've said the words Eden Lake. I want to. Any of our listeners want to go through and count them up? No, no one wants to do that. <laughs> anyway, yeah, th- thank you, Bethan. And um, yeah, we'll be back next week for another case. So we will see you then. Bye. Bye.